All right, let's go ahead and start. Sunday, October 10th. Just a few brief things uh, we can talk about. It's a smaller group tonight, so we can bounce ideas. But um, tomorrow the bond market's not open. The stock market is. And right now there's a lot going on between bonds and stocks. A lot. Um, with interest rates increasing for the first time really in over a year, making a substantial push up. Um, it's going to be interesting to see if the lack of bond market being open reduces volatility. I'm going to go ahead and assume that tomorrow is not going to be crazy, specifically because of that. Bond market open, opens back up regular trading hours for Tuesday's session. Also, on top of that, I'm sure you guys have seen it on social media. Um, the Southwest in particular, they just canceled over a thousand flights um, because of the workforce essentially protesting, right? Pilots, air traffic control, and some of the staff, they're protesting against the vaccine mandate. I don't, I don't care about any of that. So let's not get political. All I'm going to say is uh, that will impact jets tomorrow. So ETF, obviously, jets. Exactly why I 100% agree. I was talking about that yesterday night, actually. Because they're going through political turmoil down here. And I'm like, you guys are focusing on the wrong shit. Just focus on, <laughs> focus on how you can better prepare your family and uh, make money in the process if you can. Anyway, jets, ETF. We should be looking at that specifically for day trading opportunities. If anybody does do that tomorrow, we should see a pop down. I mean, we just should. Specific ticker would be LUV. That's your Southwest Airlines. But I'm going to assume, um, uh, I'm going to assume the entire sub industry of jets is going to be hit negatively. Just remember, this is a consumer. No, it's not a consumer discretion. It's an industrial name. So if Jets does pop down, there is enough purchasing power behind that and within that sub-industry to impact XLI negatively. Doubt this is going to be the beginning of a bigger trend to the downside, but obviously, uh, yeah. <laughs> Was it? Sweet. That's funny. Okay, so those are really the two big things um, that I wanted to discuss before we get into actually charting, running through some of these scans. Other than that, I mean, oil, oil. we've seen all of the this, this stuff going on uh, in the UK, etc. There's no, I'm pulling it up right now just to double check, but there's nothing that screams we're going to stop going to the upside here with oil anytime soon. We had a strong close on Friday's session. And let's see here, pull this up. We hit five-year highs. Make sure we didn't hit this on Thursday. Give me one sec. Double check. Don't want to say something that's not right. So we did. We hit 80, but we did not close up there on Friday. Right now, currently trading 79.85. So $80 a barrel is a reality here. And... Um, some are suggesting, you know, we could see ninety to one hundred dollars a barrel this winter. I don't think it's out of the realm of, of ordinary, uh, given the fact that you know we bought oil 
essentially at let's see here we bought oil at around $72 a barrel it's currently at 80 if you draw a basic fib across this fractal that we broke up and out of over the 75 I'll post the, the screenshot here but we do have a uh, fib extension up at 83.75 a barrel which is pretty wild to think about but I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility I also don't think it's out of the realm of possibility in the short term talking within a week or two um, yeah exactly TD so we're still long oil we're still long energy there's no reason to change the narrative yet anybody want to add anything to that or talk about it really quick I mean I'll say one thing and then we can move on to scans uh, there's like one of the first things you think of your trading is buy buy natural gas or buy oil or whatever during the winter months. And if you actually go back over the last 10 years, it's about a 50-50, which is not an edge. Essentially, just blindly buying oil every winter statistically is not a winning solution. This year, however, is very different. The political climate is being exasperated via Europe's dependency on Russian oil. And for those of you that were there for the Thursday night session we did, we actually looked at Russia's ETF. Uh, let me pull it up one more time. We're not going to go through the whole thing again, but um, what was the ticker? It was not RSS, but maybe we can use RSX. It was E... One second. It's E-R-U-S. If you want to pull that up really quick, just look at it. We're not going to be trading this, obviously, but we're looking at the relationship. I'll post the chart. We're looking at the relationship between Russia and oil prices of crude. And we saw that there was a lot of similarities, high correlation between the two. And we actually went in through Coifin and looked at what um, constitutes ERUS. And it was like 50 or 60% energy and was the biggest holding within energy. Gazprom. So there's an interesting trail of crumbs that you can follow if you actually care enough to do it. We're not going to be trading any of that, but it is interesting to see, you know, if Gazprom and all these other places are uh, continuing to increase, you know, we should continue to see higher prices in crude. Until the market tells us that it's wrong, we should continue to be long energy. Finance as well, to a lesser degree. There was some bearish order flow on Thursday and Friday. I was reading about it. I obviously don't care about that stuff, really, but something to think about could just be a diversion. We are currently sitting right at all-time highs with XLF. We did close on Friday at an all-time high XLF at 30.16. This is going to be the fourth time we've tested four or 39 bucks, basically. I'll post the chart again. $39 XLF is overhead resistance. Testing it for the fourth time. Exactly. TD is absolutely right. So, matter of fact, this, this week kicks off uh, earnings season. So, all the banks, most of the major banks, I should say, are going to be reporting earnings towards the end of the week. It just coincides with all-time high potential breakouts with um, 
that $39 level being tested for the fourth time. So just imagine this from a TA and an FA standpoint. Somebody knows something enough to want to buy banks at all-time highs with earnings seasons coming in. So think about that from a larger investor standpoint. What makes somebody, what compels somebody to continue to buy at all-time highs with earnings coming up? I would think that maybe they're expecting banks to beat and uh, interest rates to continue to rise. So something to think about. Any questions really quick? And we'll just pull up FinViz and go through the uh, energy finance. We can look at every sector, but really energy and finance are going to be the two big sectors. Consumer discretionary flashing some, some sub-industries, but nothing consistent yet. It's hard. You can have a multi-day BRB. Absolutely, yeah. UPST is a monster. Okay, with full FinViz, I'll give you guys the link of what I'm looking at here. You can just click it. Um, we're going to start real simple. We're just going to look at everything $2 billion and over market cap, 50-day high, average volume, and uh, optionable. We get 113 names, which is obviously too many. We're not going to go through all of this. But one thing I, I like to do right off the bat is just look at, filter them through sector and kind of get an idea of what, what was making 50-day highs and what wasn't sector-wise. So I can kind of go through this list and just pass the, uh, the eye test here. Was it basic materials? No. Only four names of 113. So obviously that sector is not uh, pushing broadly against 50-day highs. Go down the list, consumer cyclical, no, that would be your consumer discretionary name. So once again, I am an IGT, that's on the list, but really there's not a significant push here. There's no breadth expansion within the consumer cyclical area that makes me want to key in and go buy more. And of course, you go to day or uh, day two, page two, 100% energy names on page two. Go to page three. We're going to have more energy names. So it's very, very heavy and skewed energy, 50-day highs. That's screaming to either get long or continue to stay long. Page four, 90% finance. Page five, 50% finance. So if you uh, didn't believe me before about energy and financing, the two top sectors, this basic scan will give you that information. Right. So I think we should be focused once again on identifying those key areas within the energy and finance sector to potentially buy more positions. Yeah, a lot of the, uh, if you look at a lot of the airlines have a lot of short interest, specifically LUV though, you're right. And like I said, we should see a uh, gap down tomorrow for LUV just based off of the shitty news. So I'm going to go ahead and add that energy filter on that sector. And I'll post the uh, one more time. So this is going to give us all of the different energy names that broke 50-day highs. And we can start to get an idea 
of which industry within that energy sector is leading. So go ahead and filter through by industry. And I can tell you probably before I even go through this that it's going to be oil and gas, E and P. At least on page one it is. Page two and page three, nice blend of everything else. So which industry is oil and gas, E and P? What's the ticker? Yeah, XOP. So there was a reason why we focused on XOP. I mean, I don't remember which day exactly I opened up my my position in XOP. September, let's see, 24th. Jesus. So I've been in XOP for almost, what is this, one week? This will be my third week. So it's a long hold, which is awesome. There's a reason why we focused on XOP three weeks ago, and it was because it was showing the most relative strength um, out of all the different sub-industries. And if Mike was here, he would mirror this sentiment. He was joking about it on Friday with TD when we were looking at some of the underperforming energy names, like RRC, for example. Energy had a crazy day on Friday. You know, uh, sector and sub-industries were up multiple percents. And then some of the names that we were long in, RRC, for example, was only up like half a percent or one percent. We were joking around about relative strength within industries as well as sectors. This is a good way to illustrate it. So three weeks ago, we looked at different industries within energy, and we wanted to know, okay, there's three major industries within XOP, OIH, AMLP. They all deal with different portions of the energy sector. You have drilling, exploration and production, you have the actual machinery, and then you have uh, essentially a fund that goes out and buys the land, right? And we looked at all those different industries and we said, hey, XOP was showing the greatest relative strength. Here we are three weeks in after we made that assumption and the decision to buy into it and look what is still showing the number one relative strength. It's XOP. So the concept obviously that we trade in here is that things that are showing relative strength tend to continue to show relative strength, right? Things that go up tend to continue to go up, things that are going down. I know that's super simple. This is a great way to illustrate it and kind of prove it once again. Now, Bukowski is the one that came up with this, at least from a statistic uh, point of view. He said that on average, industries within sectors tend to lead for around 40 to 45 days. So if we're two and a half weeks in trade, and this thing probably had a week and a half before to start its run up, we're probably, you know, a week and a half out from, statistically speaking, this industry starting to show some relative weakness. And that's not to say that the sector as a whole will start to show weakness, but maybe future investments will be looking to go into some of the underserved areas of, of energy, like OIH or AMLP, etc. So just statistically speaking, over the next week and a half, let's keep an eye on that because we are starting to get up into that upper bound of the stat. Specialty retail, where do you see it? All right, go ahead and let me know where. Um, on Finviz, charting energy, go ahead and we can throw out some names here and uh, we'll come up with some trading ideas. A lot of these we're already gonna be in, so be aware of that. 
some of the some of these names are too far gone already. So some of these you're going to see they're up already 30-40%. Let's focus on the names that are giving us clean breakouts, not things that are in parabolic moves. Going down the list here on uh, on energy is just, it's kind of wild to see. Most charts look relatively the same. Wow. I did not take this trade, but I'm posting it for transparency. I know a few guys in here did. We're looking to buy a thirty uh, thirty-six, a sixty-three dollar breakout on Conical Phillips. I remember talking through this trade during one of the strategy sessions. Like I said, I did not take it, uh, but this goes to show you why being being aware of which sectors and industries are popping off and trying to get into those. This is an XOP name. This is a large cap at a hundred billion market cap with a two point seven nine ADR. So this was one of the big ones within XOP that is up nearly 20% from that breakout area. So pretty wild to see stuff like that. Specifically, look at Friday's action. Nearly double its ADR. So crazy to see. That is a no, a no trade as of right now. So Wyatt, as you're throwing those out there, which, uh, which sector are you looking at? So we have... I see console is obviously energy. Barnes and Noble is going to be, I'm assuming, a consumer discretionary. Is Silver Bow going to be a, a materials name or what? Uh, SBOW is an oil and gas. Cool. Perfect. Yeah. As well as the CEIX. They're both, well, it's, it says console energy. So that's, it's thermal coal, though, which is what's interesting about it because it's, probably the last of it ever it's funny i'm not going to pull the chart up right now but if you look at coal if you look at the commodity price of coal over the last year it's insane All right, here's a few of them that I'm pulling up that we have not currently. So I'm trying to focus on ones that we haven't already got into positions. The ones that were already in positions, I will update. Like, um, I mean, most of you guys are here while we're trading at the very minimum in the morning. So everybody has a pretty good idea of where we're looking to stop out and stuff. But some of these are so far gone that uh, we should update it as a group as well. Here's a cool mid cap sitting right underneath 10 billion market cap with an ADR of 5%. So this thing moves.
And while we go through these as a group, one thing I want to point out, everybody has a different stock selection process. Relative strength is not the only thing. It's just something that happens in my mind to make sense and it's statistically proven. And so even during times where it's hard to trade, I know that if you have enough opportunities and you don't blow your account up trying to YOLO something crazy, stats are on your side that eventually you will find something that works. Um, and so when I was going through Twitter today, you know, there's some big names specifically like alerts, signal services and shit like that, whatever. Um, it was interesting to see how many people are continuing to buy tech, how many people are continuing to buy Chinese names. Like it just, it baffles me that, that their stock selection process is just, I like this company or this is, you know or this has a good news catalyst. It just does, it's not, it's not a winning strategy. There's no edge there. So that's why I know sometimes it's not sexy to sit here and talk about energy. It's just not, it's not as exciting as like a, a Facebook, a Google, an Apple, something like that. But it's what's working right now. So there's no reason to try to outsmart the market. Here's another mid cap. It's a little bit dicier of a trade, but it does have a 5.31 ADR, so it is worth a look. I have not checked to see if this has options volume, but. Cool thing is that I'm seeing here is that the big boys are finally catching up. So one thing we made a we made a decision as a group um, three three weeks ago really when we really started well actually it was longer than three weeks it was over a month ago when we really first started diving into energy and we said you know is it time to buy the big boys or should we focus on some of the smaller things that are moving first such as charts that had clear breakout areas. And we decided to stay away from the big boys. I want to show you a big boy that's now on the 50-day scanner. It's finally up there, Chevron. Now, I don't necessarily think this is a great-looking chart from a technical standpoint. I think it's there's just better opportunities. But when you have the biggest names in the sector now hitting 50-day highs, very, very good for the sector in general. And one shout-out is that when we did buy into some of the smaller names that were already showing breakouts, um, we made the right decision. This is still a good looking chart. If you bought this over the last two weeks, you're up. I don't think anybody did, but you would be up. The difference is, is this is up nine or 10% from that time. And uh, we're in names that are up like 30% in that same time period. So we did choose the bigger runners, but it is nice to see market leaders start to show up on the scans. This is good for energy in general. As we continue to chart these as well, one thing I'll bring up is you really don't need a whole lot of these to make some decent moves in your account. Um, TD's a good example. There's He's been in a couple, really, TD's been in a couple trades that have gone triple, not triple digits, 30% uh, spot, CLR being one of them. 
you don't need a whole lot of those trades to really build an account, especially if you don't have a, a large account to begin with. So it's just the hardest part is staying in those trades once you're in them and trying not to micromanage the winners. It's the hardest part of this entire process. If you guys didn't read it, TD, uh, I wrote something up during his CL. He's still in CLR, I'm assuming, right, TD? I don't think he closed everything. I wrote up his trading process and posted it. Highly suggest reading it. Very yeah, efficient. I'm sure. Good. Very, very efficient way to trade COR. ENB, large cap, 1.4, so it's a slower mover, but this is a nice breakout. That's 37% spot, by the way, right? Yeah, it was uh, absolutely crazy breakout on that one. All right, on the last page here of energy, a lot of these were already in, so that's why there's not a lot of new names being thrown out there. I could throw out nearly every single chart on this 50-day high. They all look attractive. But that's one of the problems when it comes to trading is when everything looks good, how do you, how do you pick the, the one that makes the most sense? That's where levels come into play. All right, looks like here's the last... Last of the energy plays, and then I'm going to flip over to finance. We'll get a few, a few energy, a few finance, and uh, wrap up the session with the big blue sky scan. MP, oh, MPC rather. MPC was the one that we charted. You can obviously see the ascending triangle that I already, that we already drew that uh, during one of our previous strategy sessions. But that thing played out to a T. I think Alex is in this. He's not in here right now. He's traveling back. But I think he bought this $60 breakout when we originally um, charted this. And we're currently, is it? I don't know if this is an all-time high or not. Let me check. I'm going to say it's not. but So it's not an all-time high, but it's a two-year high. So three-year high. Nice looking chart, MPC. Okay, I'm going to flip over to finance. I expect less attractive charts, but maybe there's more opportunity just because we're not, we're in finance plays, but we're not in them like we're in energy right now. So maybe there's going to be a wider array of charts here. Give me uh, one second. I'm going to grab some water. Let's go ahead and scan through the finance stuff, though, specifically because earnings are this week. So there's going to be additional eyes on this sector. Be right back.
All right. See your FNB. See, these are awesome charts. You're going to see a lot of these. The FNB chart looks like a lot of the different financials uh, charts are going to look. I mean, a lot of them are going to be nastier than the energy. Energy, we have a lot of real nice, clean levels to play the breakouts, right? Finance is going to be a little bit choppier for the most part. It's just uh, the way it goes. Also, finance made a run, I don't know, a month or two ago and then got beat back down. So you're going to see a lot of overhead supply potentially, which is that obviously the left portion of that chart that TD posted. We have that overhead at 1380 or 1383. I think he has it topped out at. Now we should view that as short-term resistance all the way up past 1380. Even if it doesn't manifest itself, he does a little bit. He does us a favor here with his VPVR. And we can assume realistically that just right underneath $13, you have that high volume node kick out there that stands out to me. Go over to the left and you can see that that was a support that is now going to be considered a resistance line with the breakdown. So if you're going to long something like FNB, absolutely. I like the horizontal level that he has charted. It makes total sense. The moving averages are working correctly. His point of control is acting as support, that red line that he has there. Everything looks good for FNB. Just assume there's going to be some overhead resistance at around 1290, 1285. And then once you break up and over that, you can attack that 1380 spot. Typical finance chart. We're going to see a lot of that. That's a good chart, by the way. Thanks for posting it. APO, large cap, 3.25 ADR, which means this thing moves considerably well for a finance name. Most of these are gonna have low ADR, right? Average daily range. They're just not fast movers, and that's okay. Like I said, they're not gonna be as exciting as trading a, a Tesla call or some shit, but you catch some sector strength, these things can really, really impress you. APO being one of these, this is one of the bigger ADRs within this sector that I'm looking at. That's a very, very easy trade from a technical standpoint, $64 and above, you buy it. <laughs> $64 and below, you sell it. I mean, that makes total sense to me, APO. Uh, TD, do me a favor. I know you're either post key or NYCB. Since I know you're in both, you can just post one. But I want to talk through it while I'm scanning, if you can. I want them to see your chart since you're in the trade. Here's an interesting chart. This is a no trade at this point, but I just want to point it out. So the, um, let me double check before I say something stupid. I'm going to make sure this, this is right. Any news on federal legalization of marijuana?
Uh, I was reading about that yesterday morning, actually. Yeah, they're they're asking to decriminalize it federally now, right? Yeah, that's kind of what I heard. Yep, I read the same thing. I don't know if there's any substantial progress on it, but yeah, they're officially petitioning to decriminalize marijuana. Because, I mean, I mean, honestly, as soon as it becomes federally okay, I don't know. I mean, can, you can get alcohol on Amazon, right? Uh, yes, you can. So, just something to think about. The big thing with legalizing marijuana is the banking aspect of it, not necessarily the getting it. You could pretty much get it anywhere now, but it's where the money goes is going to be the huge benefit for federal legalization. Yeah, I think Wyatt was saying that <laughs> Amazon's just going to get more volume now. <laughs> People are going to use it even more. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're gonna they're gonna buy up they're gonna buy up these these pieces and these bits and pieces around the country that are already manufacturing and distributing, and then they're just gonna own all yep. of it and send it everywhere. Amazon, man, it's gonna be wild in the next 20, 30 years to see how that company transforms itself again. All right, really quick. So I posted ICE. This is non-tradable. It's too far gone. But the reason why I posted it is ICE is a broker dealer, right? So ICE owns, uh, fuck, uh, like everything, the New York Stock Exchange or CBOE or something like that. They own the biggest brokers. Um, look at that chart. I don't know what the fuck is going on. Lie. <laughs> People lie. Marketers lie. Side. Matter of fact, if we go back five years, the number one ever in the bounce on March 23rd of last year, where everything bounced is the only bigger day, or bigger week, rather. So something is going on with ICE. This is not tradable, but what can we do with that information? Well, if ICE is popping off, you can look at something like an IAI. That's a broker-dealer ETF. I'm unfortunately a part of it with the slowest fucking piece of shit in it, Charles Schwab. But something is going on with IAI that's directly related to finance. So that popped up on the scans. Might be something to watch out for, like I said. Don't trade it. It's already too far gone. But could be a hint. Could be a hint for sure. I'm going to talk through this while I'm continuing to scan. TD bought the breakout near $20.50 to $21. We had an idea going a few weeks ago that we wanted some of these regional banks. It was the same sort of setup as XOP. The financial sector in general was looking good, but the big boys were not yet. Right? They just weren't. BAC, JPM. They were looking okay, but they did not have the most attractive charts in the world. KRE, on the other hand, had more attractive um, charts. It's the more volatile sub-industry within finance, being your regional banks ETF. We pulled up some of these names. KEY was one of them. I want you to look at the KEY chart that he posted, and then scroll up three charts and look at the FNB chart. And just take note. Take note at how similar they are, they have the overhead resistance they're going to be fighting through, 
And then once again, notice that every single time on the right, you see those high volume nodes, those little peaks. Those peaks show you that there's an intense amount of volume at that price level. Every time we tested that price level, what happened with key? Temporary resistance, right? You pop back down, consolidate for a day or two, and then continue in the direction of the underlying trend. When you trade charts with overhead resistance or overhead supply, rather, like FNB, just assume it's not going to be a straight rocket ship up. You're going to be fighting against potential sellers at every major level, okay? But still, great trade by TD with KEY. I took KRE. He took a few of the actual names within. Would it be better to make a gentle assessment of ICE as like like bears incoming, market crash coming, everybody get out, and then for something like this to happen and, and just kind of laugh at it? Or would it would it just follow by, you see what I'm saying? Like does this I, I have no idea. lead the I market just, or follow or how does that? I think something's going on, but if you want to own the, the only reason why you'd want to own a broker dealer in my mind is if the revenues are going to go up. So I don't know how that, I, don't, I have no idea. But it is interesting to see last week's price action on ICE. I've never seen that ever. So does that translate over to banks is what I want to know. Do they know something coming up at the end of this week? I guess there's that report? too. So if this, is, if this is the candlestick that we're seeing on Friday and or I have it on the weekly and it's just like, you know. It's a straight, deal. straight shot, yeah. And then go from that to going into banks earnings reports. I think that's why you'd be doing yourself a disservice at the very minimum, not grabbing something in the in the sector. Even if you just grab XLF in, as a entire sector. I mean, you're at an all you're at resistance area. As a matter of fact, I'm gonna go ahead and officially chart that as well because it's you know, let's say you don't want to get JPM, let's say you don't want to get Bank of America or Goldman Sachs, whatever. There's nothing wrong with grabbing a piece of the underlying or the not underlying, the uh, the sector itself. You can grab XLF. You're not going to have that company-wide risk. You're also not going to get the uh, stock that you're in goes nuts over earnings. You're not going to, you know, you're not going to hit that thousand percent lotto like some people might. But this is a great way to diversify across a bunch of different earnings. If you're bullish on the sector in general, ICE kind of is like I said, it could be something. Maybe you just want to grab a more conservative position within XLF. And I think above 39, you have to you have to consider that. Whether you love or hate banks, somebody is buying the shit out of these at all-time highs. So who is it? <laughs> is it somebody smarter than uh, a 12-year-old uh, analyst on a, a free Discord somewhere that's promoting his shit on TikTok? Probably not. Someone's buying the, the finance stocks while everybody else is still fighting for the half percent moves in tech. Should be on your radar. Yeah. Yeah, it could be. Definitely could be. Banks aren't sexy. It's not fun. But money is money. So, uh, Dusty hopped in R-Y-A-N. This was one of our big blue skies setups, actually, that we had charted last week at the beginning. Now, this is going to be a riskier trade, but we did break up and into all-time highs on Friday's session. 
I don't have my volume on. Give me one second. I don't think there's going to be a pullback. I think there's a, a small chance of a pullback here with RYAN. But it really, Friday's close was not on a lot of volume. And we're holding above that 50 RSI for RYAN. So for the guys that like these mid caps, smalls and mid caps, recent IPO in bullish sectors, we've had pretty, pretty stellar performance. I would say if you go back and check all of the big blue skies setups, you know, we're probably batting closer to 75% than 50. And of those 75%, you know, I can name a few off the top of my head that ripped for 30%, <laughs> like in a day or two. And like, I'm not kidding. It was very, very fast. Sentinel one, uh, things like this. Ryan is right there with it. So I think you know, obviously, I'm going to write all this up so it's official and stuff. But above $35, you have to assume that you know Ryan's going to continue on upwards into all-time highs. Why? Why wouldn't it? Why would the market be buying all-time highs if it didn't expect to continue to hit all-time highs? So Ryan's a great opportunity here for somebody that wants to speculate with a little bit more risk uh, coming into the name, but also with the elevated risk, you get elevated potential reward. So 3.69% ADR on this uh, brand new mid-cap that just IPO'd in July financial sector yeah it looks like uh on the wick from friday it looks like it it shot up and then we might have already gotten the pullback uh but the pullback did stop right around that 50 or whatever it's at right now 55 or um yeah 35.18 so it pulled back to that resistance and then and then came back up a little bit so we might have already gotten that brb Yep, I totally agree. I think that it could already be baked in, but it's good though because as long as we, you know, as long as we don't gap up five percent tomorrow, I think there's an opportunity to get long. So, RYAN looks very attractive here in my mind. Here's a longer dated trade. So this is kind of like the RRC chart that we brought up two weeks ago when we looked at the five year, <laughs> the five year time horizon with the cup and handle breakout. Um, we kind of have, it's not a cup and handle breakout, but we have the same sort of setup here with ticker MTG. Now, I haven't checked the options chain, so I don't even know if this is worth it. But just from a TA standpoint, this is interesting because we talked about this on Thursday. I know I beat, I beat this issue to death on Thursday about maintaining your uh, neutrality when it comes to emotions. Don't get caught up in a day-to-day -day ebbs and flows just because tech had a one strong day doesn't mean you should sell all of your energy to buy tech. Turned out to be right. Um, but time horizon is a very, very big thing here, right? You want to understand uh, what you're looking to get out of a trade. And so MTG is one of those trades that if you were to buy this breakout, right? this is a clean breakout, clear level that we broke up and out of. This is the third time we've tested this area going back five years. But if you're looking at a chart on a five-year time frame and you're looking to buy something, don't expect this thing to run you know, 50% in a week or in a day. If you're going to be buying stuff like this, which absolutely, if it fits your criteria, you know, you can. The, the technical analysis is there. You have a clean level to play, the 1575 area. It's a 2.1% ADR, so it's not super fast, but it's not incredibly slow. You would expect to hold this position for a few weeks to a few months. So hypothetically speaking, if you're buying options, you're not going to be looking at Novembers. You're not going to be looking at Maybe even December's. You're going to be looking at into next year. So something to consider when you're looking at these names. 
If you're charting them on the weekly scale, have realistic expectations. And it's funny because a lot of these trades, the slower trades, not there's not going to be a bunch of stuff on Twitter about it. There's not going to be a bunch of stuff in the news. But there's plenty of uh, examples going back a year and six months where they're not flashy, they're not classy, but they're up 125%. You know, you're not losing your ass on these trades. They're, they're fantastic trades if you can get in and stay in. But just have realistic expectations when you're looking at a longer dated chart like that. Yeah, it probably does get better the farther out you go, specifically because of that reason, right? Because no one's going to buy this thing expecting it to move tomorrow. They're, the majority of the volume is probably going to be in the early to mid-2022s, 2022, yeah, January, February, March. I'm sure there's a March contract out there for a quarterly of 2022. That probably has a decent OI on it. RF is another one of those that reminds me of Key. The $21 breakout there, and then we consolidate with the VPVR. So you'd expect RF to have some resistance again at $22.50, and then really not until up near $24. So RF. So I think there's about one more. Might be two more, one second. Ticker BRO. There's a lot of insurance names popping up on the 50 day highs. These aren't glamorous. You have BRO, and then the next one you have A, what is this, AJG. I don't know if either of these are worth trading. But I'm just going to chart them for transparency. Can look at them later. Actually, AJG is a nasty chart, so I'm not even going to post it there. We did break out, but it's expensive. And I, well, actually, I am going to. One second. big blue sky scan and then we can kind of talk through some of these charts for two seconds and call it a night. Uh, one sec. I'll post a link for the big blue uh, sky scan for the newer guys if they want to see it. Uh, shamefully not enough. Wyatt, why? What's up? All right, here is, you can mess with the uh, filter set however you want. This is generally what we're looking for, though. We want to see anything below 10 billion market cap, an IPO at some point this year, average volume over 500,000. Let's make sure that there's actual action on the charts. You can do 50-day high or 0 to 3% below high. 
Both of those are going to be okay. Same two names we've seen pop up a million times. Ryan looks better and better every time I look at it. So I'm going to, I'm going to be uh, buying Ryan tomorrow. <laughs> I've already, already made the decision. ENVX is a name that we've also charted. This just popped up again. So let me go ahead and update that chart. So we charted ENVX on our Thursday session of last week. We said above 21 for those people that want some exposure to a mid cap. The thing here is though, we have two levels defined, the buy-in area right around $21. That overhead resistance at 25 was our first soft target. I did do some digging into this name. We have an, a fantastic resource in our group. He's not here right now because he's a he works for a a sell side analyst CFRM. So right now is incredibly busy as earnings season is around the corner, and I believe he has like thirty names under his belt that he has to report buy, sell, or hold ratings. But I asked him to look at ENVX because it's the same area, and uh, I didn't know this before talking to him. This is a lithium based manufacturing company. So something to think about if you're bullish lithium, you know, if you have ticker LIT, which is your lithium and battery ETF. If you like that area, you like the chart, you do have a small to mid-sized company that has recently IPO'd within ENVX. And if you think about potential rewards here, this has an ADR of 7%, which means this thing moves a lot. And it has a market cap of 3 billion. So if you want to take a riskier trade within that sub-industry of lithium, the entire sector would still be energy, this might be an opportunity for you. So uh, I know a few guys in here took ENVX on Friday. So we'll see how this one ends up. But that popped up on the big blue skies. I'm going to run it one more time with the 0 to 3% below high. Just to see if there's anything cooking. like DTM. A number of us are already in DTM, but I'll post it for transparency. <laughs> Full transparency. This has been not a good trade for me. <laughs> I held it. I held it based off of sector strength, but this chart sucks. Uh, now that we're clearing previous resistance, it might be worth looking at again, but I, I actually top ticked DTM like a fucking idiot. I helped do the drawdown. Here we are at all-time highs again, DTM. But this is 0 to 3% below 50-day high. I'll come up with an updated trading strat for DTM as well. But this has not been an easy hold. We are at all-time highs again, though, so it has rewarded us. I know Dusty's in it with me. It's not been easy. Okay, so we have a bunch of names here. You want to narrow these down? Or do you want me to do it myself? Like we have about five minutes left. I'll come up with a list of three energy, three finance at the very minimum. They'll be up in the DD and charts and set up discussions before tomorrow's morning session. We have some good stuff here, though. Um, I'm going to go ahead and do the, take the liberty of charting BAC, JPM, Wells Fargo, etc. None of these hit our scans. 
because they're not technically 50-day highs. They're right below it, though. Um, and so I think that they deserve some merit with the earnings week coming up. As a matter of fact, I just pulled up Bank of America. Go ahead and post this. So for the newer guys, I tend to keep everything on my chart. If I charted something six months ago, I like to keep all of the previous patterns, the notes I take, everything, they're there. So in the future, I can see, did it work, did it not work, what went right, what went wrong. This is my historical chart on the year of BAC. And um, we're at all-time, or not all-time highs. Uh, we're at like five-year highs, though, with Bank of America. We are at all-time highs with JP Morgan, which I'll post here in a second as well. So maybe I'll do uh, three finance, three energy, and then I'll just update the big banks on top. And as you can see, some of these charts are going to be more attractive than others. For example, I know Wyatt posted Wells Fargo. It's not my favorite finance-related chart, but it does still have some merit. Wells Fargo is typically going to be the weakest of the major banks. I'm sure if you guys have, have been banking for 10 years, you remember every everything that's happened with Wells Fargo, but you have JPM, Wells Fargo, Bank of America, you have Citigroup, I'll post Citigroup. It's funny because you look at Bank of America, it looks very good. You look at JP Morgan, it looks very good. You look at Wells Fargo, it doesn't look great, but you can make a trading decision off of that data. Then you pull up Citigroup. Citigroup looks awful. <laughs> like, it's insane. You know, you look at energy-related names, and a lot of these names are going to be mirroring each other. They're going to look very, very similar. Banks don't tend to do that. Not all banks are going to show, even with, a, you know, an environment where rates are rising, You'd expect most banks to be showing relative strength. Some of them aren't, which still blows my mind. Yeah, Bank of Montreal, which is another opportunity. BMO, this actually looks pretty good here. Got yourself a solid uptrend here, breaking up and over that $104 resistance area. $107, I believe. Is this an all-time high? Some of these charts are going to be all-time highs and some of them are not. Yeah, so Bank of Montreal is near all-time highs as well. So JPM, BMO, both solid choices. Pull Goldman Sachs really quick. Goldman is going to be a little bit of a lagger here due to what happened with Evergrande. They got beat up pretty bad. Yeah, Goldman Sachs still doesn't look great. Morgan Stanley also doesn't look great. I'll go ahead and post this. You guys can see the difference in the quality of charts. Look at your Bank of America, look at your JP Morgan, and then look at something like this. That, that actually looks like a little bit of a bear flag being painted on the daily there from Morgan Stanley. So Wild to see. Some banks doing real, really well, some banks doing really not well. This is one of those ones that's doing not well. All right, any questions, guys? Feel free. If not, we can call tonight. I'll get those names up.
They'll be there before tomorrow morning session. Questions or comments?